0: Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Bordison. When it comes to examinations of third rail issues, perhaps none are more dangerous than those done by historians who understand the importance of deep dives into the past for context. My guest today is one of Europe's most distinguished historians, well known for his bombshell book titled NATO's Secret Armies, Operation Gladio and Terrorism in Western Europe. Dr. Daniele Gonzer's book is an expose of NATO, along with the CIA and intelligence agencies of other Western nations, collectively operating a terrorist criminal enterprise called Gladio to eliminate communism around the world during the Cold War. Has this criminal enterprise continued to exist up to today? Did it expand its activities to serve new agendas? What's past is prologue, Shakespeare wrote in The Tempest, and well aware of that, Dr. Gonzer has also looked into a more recent terrorist event, 9-11. He's here today to talk about how his research into Gladio brought him to the subject of 9-11 and what he uncovered. Welcome, Dr. Gonser.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me to your show.
0: Talk about Gladio and what it was and what NATO and the intelligence agencies, the Western intelligence agencies were doing.
1: Gladio is is a secret operation, which was uncovered in the year 1990. So it's already 30 years ago that it has been in the public domain. But uh, unfortunately during these 30 years, most historians have not really looked at it. It's, it's been a little bit on the sides because the data has been scattered in different languages, some of it in Italian, some data in French, some data in English, some data in German and other languages. And if I just can take you back to the year 1990, that was the year when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And after that, we had Operation Desert Storm. And obviously, like tons of books have been written about that war, the Kuwait war. Um, but Operation Gladio was also uncovered in August 1990, um, when Italian Prime Minister Giulia Andreotti said there is a secret army in Italy. It's a secret army within the Defense Department, and its name is uh, Gladio. So that was a bombshell, because actually in a... In a democratic society, you should not have a secret army. You should just not have it. I mean, secret means the parliament doesn't know anything about it. Uh, The journalists don't know about it. Um, And the taxpayers don't know anything about it. And, you know, you shouldn't have that.
0: So he discovers this. And then all of a sudden, um, all the other Gladio participants in the other countries start running for cover it
1: was really embarrassing i mean um giulio andreotti is a very high was a very high ranking uh politician he was the prime he was the acting prime minister in italy and you know he's he's he had been around for many many years um in in different function in the italian government and people knew uh, that if this old fox, as they called him, uh, confessed to something so delicate, you, you had to pay close attention. Because he said, he, he did not only say, we had a secret structure here in Italy, but he said, and other countries had this secret structure too. So the, Belge, uh, the, the, the Belgian defense minister at the time uh, happened to be in Italy, Guicoem was his name. So we're still in the year 1990. Uh, and Coem said, is there a secret army also in Belgium? And then Giulio Andriotti told him, yeah, sure there is. Uh, why don't you fly back to your country <laughs> and check with your chief of staff? So with the highest uh, military officer in his country. So Guy Cohen flew back to, to Belgium and uh, asked his chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is the highest um, military officer in, a, in any given country, and said, is there a, a secret army in, in, in Belgium that I know nothing about? And then the, uh, the chief of staff said, yes. <laughs> and then he said, I'm the defense minister. Why don't I know about it? And then the uh, chairman of the Chain Chief of Staff said in Belgium, Well, you know, the defense ministers, they come and go. We can't trust them all the time. So this is a very secret operation. And the French um, said, Oh no, we didn't have, we didn't have that, of course. That you know, that's just an Italian scandal, and maybe you know, the Belgians they have their strange political structure. We didn't have that. <laughs> and then Julian Driotti said, um, no, these secret armies were linked to NATO. And at the last meeting uh, of the Allied Clandestine Committee, you know, they had like a, a secret structure within NATO that you wouldn't even find on a normal NATO charge, uh, chart. Um, uh, they had a meeting and the French also took part. So then the French were embarrassed and said, oh, oh yes, oh, true indeed. We, were also, we also had a secret branch of that network. So it was all very, very embarrassing and spread on from there to, to London and Washington.
0: Well, now we have to be clear about something. NATO is basically and was back then too controlled by the United States, right? Oh, yes,
1: NATO was founded in nineteen forty nine um today it has thirty members uh the u s is the most powerful member with seven hundred and fifty uh, billions uh, in defense spending and total NATO defense spending um is, is 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 like 990 uh billion it's very clear that the u.s is running nato so the the highest ranking military officer in europe the supreme allied commander has always been a u.s general you can go through the list
0: that means the u.s is can, can instead of going itself and looking like a huge aggressor the u.s can use nato as the tip of a spear for any operation or you know military advancement it makes wants to make basically anywhere in the world
1: i mean and, that is and, true and
0: what's also interesting to me is that it was a, nato was was supposed to disband after the soviet union right yep let's let's talk about what actually Gladio was, it was a, a, a network of operatives, military spies, dirty tricks, whatever, operatives uh, in these countries, in all these co- communist countries, basically trying to overthrow the, their governments and install uh, not even necessarily democracies, anything, anything but communism basically.
1: That's an important point. Uh, until now, we've just made everybody familiar with the term "gladio" and that you know that was a scandal in 1990, so 30 years ago, uh, more than 30 years ago. But we've not, have not yet explained what actually the secret armies were. in In European um, countries like Italy, France, or Germany, um, they were part they were part of, of of NATO. They became members of NATO, but um, the U.S., which are in charge of NATO they feared that in some of these countries, like for instance Italy, a communist party could come to power. Um, that is very important for, for people in the US to understand that in Italy you had communists who were um, part of the, uh, of the political game. I mean, after, after the defeat of fascism, uh, the communists in Italy were very popular because they had been fighting Mussolini, the Italian dictator during the Second World War. So uh, socialists and communists were were popular in Italy. Now, the American CIA wanted Italy as part of of NATO. So after the Second World War, they said we need to get Italy into NATO. But they did not want the the communists uh, in NATO, because if, if we if we just think through their heads at the time, they thought, gee, if we have an Italian defense minister who is a communist. He's going he's gonna to spoil all the secrets of NATO and, and, and call Moscow and tell them what, what, what NATO is doing next. So we don't want that. So um, the strategy really from, a, from an American perspective was, yes, we have the Europeans in NATO, but we have to make sure that in Italy and other countries, the communists will never gain executive function. Executive function means if you have a defense minister position, for instance, or a, a, a prime minister or a president, that's really high-ranking executive function ministers, you, they can sit in parliament, you know, and there were there were a lot of Italian communists sitting in, in, in parliament, but they said, we'll never have them in the executive branch. So um, they set up these secret networks and trained them uh, in the use of explosives. They gave them... Uh, ammunition they gave them guns they gave them money they gave them gold they gave them uh, communication equipment and the storyline was and and i think the data uh, really proves the storyline was that these networks would become active as a so-called guerrilla as a as a network network. Mm -hmm. yeah guerrilla network in case of a soviet invasion of western europe now, if I put myself in the head of, of, you know, these guys who were planning the whole thing during the Cold War, the Cold War basically from forty-five to 1990, um, these guys, also in Switzerland, I have to admit, some of them were convinced that a Soviet invasion could come, okay? It's, it's, now, it's now really far away for teenagers who, who, who might be listening to our, to our communication. They go, why did they fear a Soviet invasion in Western Europe? They did. I mean, that's 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 proven. They feared such an invasion, and in my country, I'm now in Switzerland, and Switzerland was not part of NATO. And um, even in Switzerland, they had a secret army. It didn't. It wasn't called Gladio. It was called P26, and it was also un- uncovered in 1990. And people in Switzerland were like. Way we didn't know that, and how can that be, and what did they do? And they had these arms caches in, in different places of the country, in, in, in the Alps, and in, in the forests, and in Italy, they even had these arms caches um, on cemeteries. Just, you know, they had arms deposits on places nobody knew. And they had communication equipment. So and Did
0: the US provide most of these arms? Yes, yeah.
1: the British MI6, so that's the Secret Service of the British, yes and the American CIA were actually in in command of the whole structure. They said, let's have these secrets stay behind. The the overall um, term in in, in international history is stay behind networks, because the idea was um, a guerrilla network which stays behind enemy lines. So you have a Soviet invasion, the agents go underground and they are then behind enemy lines. If the US then fights the Soviet Union, they would capture shut down pilots and bring them to the shore, bring them to safe houses, etc. So that's that's the military term. Stay behind. And, and and Christine, you know, the the fact is undisputed that these secret networks existed. That is undisputed. You know, they found the arms, they found the explosives, they had military commanders who who spoke out and said, yes, we were linked to NATO. And yes, we were trained by the CIA. And yes, we were trained by the MI6. Um, but they would never admit that they were linked to terrorism. They, their storyline was, Yes, we prepared for a Soviet invasion, but this invasion never came. Well, one so basically nothing happened.
0: One man's uh, yeah, terrorism is another man's uh, liberation army, right? Terrorism, That's it. You, know? so this is, you name it. So, OK, so so the Soviets did not invade. Soviet Union collapsed. What 1991, happened, yes. Yeah. What happened to all these um, stay behind operations?
1: Well, first of all, people had to understand that they existed. So um, these, uh, these structures became known only in 1990. And one year later, I mean, just for people to remember, in '89 the, the Berlin Wall collapsed. So that was the end of the division of Germany. Then in 1990, Germany was reunited. Also, again, to, to, to younger listeners in your show, um, Korea today is split in two. There's North Korea and South Korea. And during the Cold War, Germany, which is neighboring uh, country to here in Switzerland where I am, Germany was split in two blocks. It was uh, Eastern Germany and Western Germany. And so in 1990, Germany was reunited and is now the most powerful country in Europe. And then in 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. And it was very shocking, also for the Germans, to understand that they had these secret networks, and in uh, in some cases they had right wing extremists in these networks because the CIA had had recruited former people um, of of the Hitler army um, who after the second world war were still very anti-communist. And just to make sure that the the mindset of the people was anti-communist, they took people who had had actually been uh, under Hitler's command. And the most famous guy of all of them was Reinhard Gehlen. And the Americans made him um, made him the, the commanding officer of the first German secret service. So you know all these things um, have been covered in secret, and people you know didn't want to talk about it because they they wanted to say we have functioning democracies in Western Europe, and in Western Europe you'd never have a secret structure.
0: Right. You,
1: you just don't have right. secret armies in a democracy. It's like it doesn't go together. And even NATO, you know, NATO on in in November 1990 they first said, uh, no, this, uh, this, is, this is not oh, true. they lied
0: they, about
1: it? They lied, yeah. First, the oh. spokesman came forward and said, what Giulio Andreotti, prime minister in Italy, has just said, that NATO has secret armies, is not true. Oh. <laughs> and then, very embarrassing, oh. the next day, they had to come forward again and say, oh, what we said yesterday um, was not precise, but we cannot comment on it. You know, It's top yeah. secret. <laughs> so he, they really, they, they messed it up, as far as communication was concerned. And there, thereafter, they had all the NATO ambassadors uh, coming together because the ambassadors didn't know anything about it. And so the military high brass had to inform them that they had a secret structure. Uh, and they, they, they obviously ran back to their governments and said, why don't we know anything about it? And there was Supreme Allied Commander, um, an American general, uh, John Galvin, who, who informed him, And he then insisted, oh, okay, it was just purely defense, which is not true.
0: The Soviet Union... Uh, falls apart, Nineteen ninety-one. no need for NATO anymore, right? Because that's why they were formed in the first place is to go after to, you know, protect all these countries against the Soviet Union. So now what happens? Why doesn't NATO disband?
1: Because from the US perspective, it was very interesting to push NATO closer to, to Moscow, you know, and to encircle Moscow because from an American perspective, there were just two challenges. There was China today, you know, the number one challenge and um, Russia, the biggest country on earth. Russia just from the surface is the biggest country with 150 million inhabitants, not so many. Uh, The Chinese was with 1.4 billion inhabitants, the the country with most people. So that's a real, real challenge. And NATO um, did not disband, but they did the opposite. You know, they pushed, and took new countries into nato so they took poland in they took estland letland uh, lithuania the czech republic um, they took romania bulgaria they just expanded towards and moscow so
0: now now the new the, the new the, the threat now is still moscow and the oh yeah been, and 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 the threat has been expanded to china
1: that's it the soviet union collapsed um, but nato instead of dissolving right. got bigger because it was just in, in, in the American interest. And maybe, if, if I may add, NATO then had the 50th anniversary, you know, in everybody's life, the, when you get 50, it's an important moment. When NATO had turned 50, that was in 1999, uh, they bombed Serbia. So that is really bad behavior on your 50th birthday. But that's what they did. I mean, they had for, for for the entire history of NATO, they've said we're a defensive alliance. We would not attack another country well, first. Well,
0: first of all, their secret armies proved that, or their secret networks proved that that's not true. But okay, so yeah. formally, they but they that was secret.
1: That was Australia. secret. Nobody so knew they that. Tell the
0: world were defensive, and for the first time, they go on the offensive against Serbia. And what? Is, how do they explain that? How do they explain it?
1: Um, that was the time when Bill Clinton was in charge. Yes. Uh, he was yes. president of the United States. And in Germany, you had Gerhard Schröder. He was from the Social Democrats and Joschka Fischer from the Green Party. Uh, so Bill Clinton basically said to the Germans, and now we're gonna bomb Serbia. And the Germans uh, participated. You know, it was the first time that Germany went to war um, after the Second but World War. The, so
0: How did Germany sell it to the German people? What did they say? With Why propaganda.
1: Is- the, the trick was they said there are concentration camps. That's really what they said. It's very scary, but that's how you can really they mess with people. They said there were people.
0: concentration camps?
1: That's what they said. They said there are concentration camps in, in Serbia uh, and the Serbs are killing the Albanians in these concentration camps. Therefore, the Serbs are really evil. And that's why we have to kill the Serbs. And, you know, people in Germany, when you when you mention that word uh, concentration camps, they go crazy. I yeah, mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's their own trigger. trauma that's because they have killed the Jews in, in concentration yeah, camps. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a trauma. And, you know, um, Christina, the problem is there were no concentration camps. It was just a lie. It's like with the U.S., with the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. It was just lies. Uh, so they bombed Serbia in, in 99, and it was clearly illegal. I mean, Clinton had no right to bomb Serbia. Think, think of Serbia bombing the U.S. in 99. Everybody exactly. would have gone, that's illegal. <laughs> and the Germans, they, they were just fooled, totally fooled. And then the population was misled. And I, I give public talks in Germany a lot because I'm based in Switzerland. I, I speak German and I traveled to Berlin and Munich and and, and other cities in Germany and also to Austria and, and So what do you people think, are starting the real- to wake up about these things?
0: What was the real agenda in bombing Serbia then?
1: The real agenda was really to to have a NATO party for the 50th birthday and to show everybody else that they that they're the strong guy in the room. I mean they even bombed the Chinese embassy and said, "Oh, sorry. That was a mistake. We ha- we had an old map."
0: <laughs> That's what they said. Wow. Wow. It's a show what, it's a show I of find, force. What I find interesting is you've pointed out that um if we go up to 9-11, you've pointed out that actually uh, the invasion of Afghanistan is a NATO invasion. That's it. That the invasion of Iraq after that is a NATO invasion. And you you talk about, what are the other countries? There's oh, Libya
1: 2011 was also, you know, it's NATO countries taken together because-
0: And Syria. Also Syria, also yeah. NATO. Th- and it's interesting because I don't think people think about it in that context. That no, most
1: it- people get it all messed up in their minds because they think we're the good guys and we're fighting the bad guys. That's how they see international politics. They don't see the details.
0: Well, it's just so interesting because I didn't. I. It's now clear to me it, it, from what you're saying that NATO is sort of a. International, uh, a U.S.-controlled international tip of the spear for military operations for any number of reasons. Whether it's Serbia is is a show of force, uh, yep. Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, you tell me. What is yeah, Afghanistan I- an attack? Let's get to 9-11.
1: U.S. started the invasion of Afghanistan on 7 October 2001 so that's now more than 20 years ago and um, the the story there was we have to go there because osama bin laden is there and he's really evil guy he's a terrorist and he's he's to blame for 9/11 so that was the story and and people today don't you know, it's all in a blur and people don't really remember what happened. But if you well, go they back don't to- don't
0: remember the... that Osama bin Laden was an ally of the United States against the Russians in yeah, Afghanistan.
1: That, that has been canceled out of many history books. None of my books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My books are not, most of them are not in English, but uh, uh, my, my research shows very clearly that the CIA, after the defeat in Vietnam, um, in, uh, of the U.S. Army was defeated in Vietnam in 75, 1975. They wanted to give um, the Soviet Union their Vietnam. So Brzezinski, who then was national security advisor to uh, President Carter in the 70s, um, uh, he su- he said, why don't we support the Mujahideen in Afghanistan? And people go like, What? The CIA supported radical Muslims? Do they do that? Of course they do. And what was the idea? The idea was to then draw uh, the Soviet Union into Afghanistan, and this really worked. So, in in the summer of 1979, the CIA started to support in Afghanistan radical Muslims, the Mujahideen, and uh, that's actually the same people who later, you know, the Taliban um, and the Al-Qaeda network. So, just radical Muslims who who oppressed women and all these things that the West would say we would never do that and so the Soviet Union then invaded in December 1979 and they fought which was illegal I think the Soviet Union had no right to invade Afghanistan but they were scared that you know the Mujahideen would get stronger and everything so the CIA supported the Mujahideen the Soviets fought in Afghanistan and in the end the Soviets lost in 19, well, uh, but the,
0: what was the real interest? Because, you know, I've heard people say um, oil, for example, the oil pipeline was an important uh, aspect to why the U.S. would even want to do that. And I remember uh, I was working at a network at that time. I was working at CBS Network uh, here yep. in the United States when um, I pitched a story to 60 Minutes because the uh, I think it was UNICAL, uh, An oil, these oil executives from UNICAL wanted to hire the Taliban, this yep. group of. They
1: know, they people. met with them in Texas.
0: Right. Oh and yeah, they, they, th- they flew hire them into them Texas to protect this pipeline route yeah. that uh, they wanted to build uh, across Afghanistan. And of course, if you look at where the U.S. military installations were. Uh, set up uh, after 9 when Afghanistan was invaded, it's right along the proposed pipeline route. So
1: I mean, I there don't... are all
0: these hi- other hidden agendas going on all the time that end up destroying countries, killing yes. a lot of their citizens.
1: These two wars in Afghanistan. the one, The first one I was talking about is from 1979, uh, until um, uh, then, 1988, and it was the Soviet Union which invaded and lost. They, the Soviet Union, lost in Afghanistan. Gorbachev, um, president of the Soviet Union, uh, admitted defeat. They had to withdraw. There was like a million people killed. So that, and during that time, as you said before, the CIA supported Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. Uh, because they were fighting the Soviets. So that's chapter one, okay? And then you have the whole 90s that go through. And then you have 9-11 on 11 uh, September 2001. And after that, you have the second war in Afghanistan, which starts on 7 October 2001. And this second um, a war in Afghanistan, uh, yeah, it has this element of pipeline wars. It's, it's in there because... Uh, Um, In the 1990s, as you rightly said, the Taliban were in charge in Afghanistan. And um, people people were looking at the map and saying, gee, there's a lot of oil and gas in the Caspian Sea. But the Caspian Sea, if you look at it, is landlocked. In the north, there's Russia. And in the south, there's Iran. So UNOCOLE and everybody else uh, in the U.S. for sure... Didn't want pipelines to go through Iran. They didn't want pipelines to go um, through Russia. So there's only one way you can go west um, uh, uh, through uh, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Armenia. That's that's one route. They built that pipeline. That, that's that's done. Uh, and you can go east. And then sooner or later you hit uh, Afghanistan. So yeah, the pipeline story, the toppy pipeline, um, is part of this of the reference. And it's there.
0: still
1: going on. It's oh, still going on. Yeah, yeah. still going on. And the other idea um, uh, of the U.S., obviously, was to just keep the defense spending very high. I mean, after, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was no enemy. I mean, who, who was the enemy? So they came up with this idea, uh, radical Muslims are now our enemy. And that main narrative, you know, was really installed on 9-11. They said... Radical Muslims are dangerous. They attacked us in New York, and that's why we have to hunt them in Afghanistan. And, you know, this narrative influenced Europeans as well because the Germans, the German Bundeswehr, this, you know, after Hitler was defeated, they said in Germany, we're never going to ever have a war again. We're never ever going to have an army. Then they said, oh, wait a moment. We're going to have an army, but it's only going to be for defense purposes. And we call it the Bundeswehr. And then they said after some time, well, defense is good, but we actually have to fly and and participate in the war that the U.S. is fighting in Serbia. So they participated in the war in Serbia. And after that, the U.S. said the German army must come along when we go to Afghanistan. So crazy as it sounds, Germany fought in Afghanistan. They did, and they were defeated. I mean, they came back together with the US, and uh, now uh, just last year. Well, but it was the
0: Germans and the the Brits were the over. Friends, there, the, the French, the Brits, were the Australians
1: there. were there. NATO Everybody was
0: there. there. That's it. <laughs> it was a NATO war. You're absolutely right, but of course, controlled and started, and so on. By the United
1: States? We have 193 countries, and 30 out of these 193 countries are in NATO, and NATO is the biggest military alliance on the planet. And people don't really understand that NATO has a lot of influence on international politics and the U.S. is in charge. We've already gone through the bombing of Serbia, 1999, including the bombing of the Chinese embassy. We've gone through uh, Afghanistan, which started in 2001. And to understand it, really, we have to talk about 9-11.
0: What do you know about 9-11 that we should know?
1: The important thing about nine eleven is to understand that it led directly to the Afghanistan war. We cannot understand Afghanistan if we don't look very closely to nine eleven. And the main narrative uh, that we got about nine uh, eleven is full of lies. And this is this is very hard to understand. But it's 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 about time we talk about it. Like, what are the lies? Um, most people, if they think, oh, what happened on nine eleven, they remember. A plane hit the Twin Tower. Another plane hit another Twin Tower. These two Twin Towers were both in Manhattan, in New York. And then the Twin Towers collapsed. So for most people here in Europe and also in the U.S., it's plane, plane, tower, tower. That's it. That's 9-11. And then Bush coming on TV. On, on well, there's TV. also the
0: Pentagon attack.
1: Yeah, but, you know, that's already fading away in, in memory or right. Shanksville. Well, people right. don't even remember that. But what has really left an imprint, is the New York twin towers and how they collapsed and the planes that's 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 the essence of the it's a very very visual narrative by the way and um I televised all over the world and the the important thing to remember is that it was not two towers but it was three towers which collapsed on that day and this is something um that I was always very astonished that people don't talk about the three towers because if once you go into this three tower narrative you go like gee, if you have two planes, why did three towers collapse? I mean, what was this third tower? And the third tower is World Trade Center 7. And this third tower um, was just a block away, so it was very close to the Twin Towers. It was also in New York, in Manhattan, and it came down in the afternoon. So it collapsed in, on, at 520 uh, the others, the, the, the Twin Towers, uh, were down before, before noon, okay? So this other tower was with a, with a delay of, of, of several hours, but on the same day, went down. And I've looked at this in, in much detail. And um, first of all, I was, I was shocked, you know, that television stations here in Switzerland, also in Germany or in the US, would always just focus on the two towers. And I was going, like, why don't they show the three towers? And then I went through different um, uh, media records, and I found that the BBC, which is very famous still, um, had reported about the collapse of World Trade Center 7. So I was very relieved, and I thought, oh, at least the BBC has reported, has got it right, there, three towers. And it was Jane Stanley, who was a journalist at the time, reporting it. And then I found out that the BBC had reported the collapse of the third tower 20 minutes too early, she reported that collapse at 5 o'clock, but it collapsed at 5.20. Now people go, Daniele, you're, you're, you're so into details. I mean, it's just 20 minutes too early. I mean, come on. But then I go like, how did she know? And, you know, there was, there was um, a lot of talk about this in, in, in Great Britain about that. And, and uh, Jane Stanley had to take a stand. And she is not to blame because she had just a teleprompter in front of her. And she read this from the teleprompter. She says, you know, the the World Trade Center 7, the Solomon Brothers building has also just collapsed. And they had that in the 5 o'clock news. So they could not, you know, take it out anymore. It was there. And then later, I think it was 2008, she admitted it was a mistake. And of course it was a mistake. And then, you know, this whole controversy. who
0: gave that information to the BBC? They said they had it from Reuters. Oh, they got it from Reuters?
1: That's and what she said. And who
0: at Reuters? I mean, did anybody ever follow that line? Like, who no. at Reuters got the information, and from whom?
1: No, they had to have a story why they knew about the collapse, and they said, "Well, um, we don't know," and you know, it didn't happen. And then, researchers 9/11 truthers in 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 the UK pushed the BBC, and said, you know. On September 11, 2001, you report in the five o'clock news that World Trade Center Seven has collapsed, but that's not true. It was still standing. It collapsed at 5:20, so that's 20 minutes of fake news. And then you know they 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 actually came out with a with a special BBC series. I think it was called the Third Tower. And then the the head of BBC World News had to say, yeah, we're sorry. And uh, Jane Stanley was on camera and she said, yeah, I was wrong. It yeah, was a mistake. The, the building
0: was right, but you could see the building behind That's her. it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just, but she didn't know. She didn't know. No.
0: Okay. She didn't know. But then no. where did she get that information from? And where did whoever gave her the information get the information from, et cetera, et cetera? Nobody yeah, that's, has looked that's into the tra- that. Nobody's nobody's
1: nobody wow no. it's crazy. it's it's one of these stories which are totally shocking because I think she can be left off the hook because she was just doing live reporting on a crazy yeah, yeah, day. Yeah,
0: yeah, she was just reading the, the prompter, but it okay. was the prompter.
1: Okay, um, then that, le- that leaves you to BBC uh, in London because they were, were feeding the prompter, uh, and then um from there they had the excuse we had it from Reuters, but Reuters they never said who. You know, you need a name, otherwise it just blurs out and then right. Reuters would have to take a stand. But that um, has never been clarified and it's one of those issues. But if, if we leave that apart, then I went to, um, here in Switzerland, I went to academics who specialize in building building safety, architects, engineers, and I showed them how the this third, you know, tower came down and just came down in seven seconds, symmetrically. You know, there was no, there was zero, uh, resistance the building just went into the ground on its own footstep and it went against you know the density of the building so that's it didn't you know go to the side and if you just stand up tall and, and you try to push somebody down that's the hardest thing you push a, a person to the floor you can push them to the side but through the density is really difficult and then I, I really followed this data because um uh, i had worked on 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 terrorism and strategy of tension and false flag terrorism, which is a peculiar part of history (laughs) I focus on. But then I I said, I I want to know more. I want to know everything about World Trade Center 7. So I I looked at the building um, data and the the building has uh, 79 steel columns. So these are very strong columns. And then the question was, if the building goes down like that, they have to go at the same sec. You know, it's not one is still standing for a minute or for 10 seconds. No, no. Otherwise, you don't get the symmetry. They have to go at the same second. So the question was: what energy can make that steel column 79 lose their strength in the same second? That you know, that was the research question. And then the National Institute for Standards and Technology said, Oh, gee, yeah, we're looking into this. This is really complicated. and we're working in it and they came up with a with a report in 2008 uh, and said it was a fire
0: they called Chimes it thermal expansion it was a new oh, term so they tough. came up with it was that totally that office fires heated up the steel so that it was it got it got uh soft
1: yeah i just they said you know it was a girder that would pushed off its seat you know At the column, you know, obviously there's steel, horizontal steel and and vertical steel. Yeah. And they interlink in a building. I mean, I'm a historian. I've never built, you know, a a steel construction. I've never done that. But I I talked to architects and they explained it to me. So you have the steel columns, 79 like that. But then you have many more like that. And then the NIST, National Institute for Standards and Technology, said, you know, at column 79, girder 201, came off you know it just expanded due to the heat and then it came off and that led to the total collapse and then i said but how come i mean there if, even if if that is true which it isn't but if it was true there's still you know more than 60s columns standing intact why would they just go away in the same second we we need some coordination here so the my personal story was that in um 2000 and Five, I think, or 2006, it was, I went um, to, uh, to architects here in Switzerland teaching uh, structural safety. And, you know, they're responsible for safety in Switzerland. And we, we don't have many big buildings like you have in New York. But, but they, they told me this, this is controlled demolition. There's only one way. You just have to blow it up. Otherwise, you don't go, can get it down. And I said, "Can I, can I, can I quote you in that?" There were two. I already, always need two sources as as a good historian, and they both agreed. And they were very, um, you know, experienced, ex- very uh, well-read professors at the National Institute for Science, no, not not at the National in in, in Zurich, in uh, the ETH Zurich. And I showed them the video. They didn't even know that a third building had gone down. They were also in this so limited vision. Yeah,
0: that's so fascinating.
1: And then I published it. They said, you can quote us on that. They said, just, just add the word, the word probably. Then I wrote, probably brought down uh, through controlled demolition. And their name was uh, Jörg Schneider and Hugo Bachmann, Swiss engineers. And then the American embassy reacted here in Switzerland and said Daniele Ganser uh, is 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 spreading conspiracy theories. Um, this is this is just nonsense. What he's talking about. And uh, then my university got under a lot of pressure, and they told me to shut up. That was the story.
0: They just told you to shut up. They.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah my they boss. Did he give you, you any me.
0: reason? Did he say? Did you say why? Say- if it's true, why?
1: No, I mean, my, my, um, my superior, like I was, I was teaching at university at the Center for Security Studies at ETH in Zurich. And uh, I was a senior researcher there. I already had my PhD, um, but still at every university, you, you have hierarchies. So I had a professor, Andreas Wenger, who was one level higher. And he called me up and he, he said, you know, you, you, you can't say that we were lied to on 9-11. I said, why not? And then he said, you know, this is going to get us into a lot of trouble. And and why, you know, it's it's why question it? I mean, Bush said, you know, Osama bin Laden did it. Why are who are you to question this? And I said, I'm Daniela. I'm just, you know, like the little girl in this novel who says that the emperor is naked. I'm. I'm nobody, but I can think for myself that we've not been being told the truth. First, BBC reports this too early, then they say it was fire. I can see that it was not fire, and I, I'm, I'm able to say it. And then I, uh, um, they said you, they I, they even shut out, shut down my emails. That was crazy because I was doing such a lot of communication work. One day, my mailers were not working after I'd published that article about World Trade Center 7 in German, in a Swiss uh, newspaper, which is called uh, Talks Anzeiger. I think it was in 2006, but it was one page. And, you know, I, the, the title was The Bitter Debate About 9-11. And that was, you know, the Afghanistan war was still going on. And I was saying, you know, NATO Article 5, which is the collective defense clause, has been activated for the first time after 9-11. They said it was an attack from abroad on NATO. So, NATO has the right to retaliate. I mean, that's the whole historical pattern. NATO wow. Article 5 has, has never been activated before. So, I looked at it and said, yeah, but you cannot self-activate NATO by um, you know, carrying out strategy of tension in one country, which means you, you manipulate terrorism and then say somebody else was it. That would be um, a self-activation. And I said, we need at least a debate about it, and I thought we're neutral Switzerland, we can do this because Switzerland is not part of NATO. Um, but then my, my, my professor second. said I should. I, I should just
0: want to be real clear about what you just said. I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you. Yeah. You just said that based on the fact that you, based on seeing that the narrative for building seven was a, a complete lie. Yeah. Um, that this, you're, are you saying that? This 9-11 was a false flag operation, so NATO is is activating itself based on a false flag operation. Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm saying that we were lied to about World Trade Center 7, and I'm convinced that World Trade Center 7 was... Was brought down through controlled demolition. That's what I'm saying. And if you have controlled demolition on 9/11, you can leave everything else apart. Just World Trade Center Seven, to my opinion, was brought down through controlled demolition. Yeah, but
0: what is the what is the connection to NATO? Wh- what you were saying about NATO self activating?
1: I say NATO said we will only, you know, become active under the defense clause five. There's a you know there's a NATO chart- charter which right. says. If one country is being attacked, for instance, if in 1950, the Soviet Union had invaded East uh, West Germany, you know, then all NATO countries uh, at that time promised if one of us is attacked, that means we're all at war. And that was... That was the, the idea behind NATO. If you look at the history of NATO, it was a collective defense mechanism. Okay. It's like yeah. if, if five guys say you attack or 10 guys say you attack one attack of us. Attack and my you homie.
0: To... I'm coming at, yeah. we're all coming after That's you.
1: That's it. We're coming at you. It.
0: I got That's that. it. Okay. Yeah. So, so now that is now called is...
1: the defense clause. Okay. And that, has
0: been, clause. that was activated after 9-11.
1: For the first time. For the first time, it has never been activated in all of 50 years of NATO's history. You know, when NATO bombed Serbia, they didn't claim uh, Serbia had attacked NATO before. They didn't say that. They just bombed Serbia and said, it's illegal, but we don't, we don't care. Okay, that was 99. But 2001 is, is two years later. It's much more interesting because their NATO said, yes, we are attacking Afghanistan, but we are retaliating. Okay, we are retaliating for a for terrorist our attack.
0: homie, the U.S., who was attacked on 9/11.
1: That's it. Afghanistan, okay, did not attack the United States, as you know, they didn't say exactly. send um, Afghanistan uh, planes and soldiers to the U.S. and bombed it. What we have is we had a terrorist attack. In New York, that's undisputed. Three thousand people killed. That's the biggest terrorist attack in history. Jesus. Okay, we we need if we we have to look at big terrorist attacks to understand what's going on. There is the Pentagon, there is Shanksville, but really it is about the Twin Towers and World Trade Center Seven. So then I go I zoom in on that and say, okay, give me give me give me Manhattan. Okay, give me Grand Zero. I want more details, and then I see. On this, on this story, they attack Afghanistan. Then I say, wait a minute, you cannot do that. You must prove before you self-activate NATO that the attack came from Afghanistan. They could never do that. So I say they self-activated it. They Oh, said,
0: okay, because, because the controller of NATO is the United States. Yes, the and president Ch- of the United States, George Bush. George Bush,
1: he said, right. we have a right to go after them, and we also have a right to go after the government who protects them. And then the story was, the Taliban in Afghanistan protect Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden is responsible for 9-11. Therefore, the U.S. has every right to bomb the, uh, Afghanistan. And, you know, people, it happens so quickly. You know, it's like one of these tricks uh, um, of... of Copperfield or so, you know, if it it happens very quickly, people have a hard time to follow it up. But as a historian, I'm in no hurry, okay? I go back and say, is it true that on seven October 2001, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan? And the the, the data is clear, it is true. Then I say, "Uh, is it true that that was less than one month after the 11th September 2001? Yes, less than one month, easy to calculate. And I go, so in these... Three weeks or so, were they able to to come forward with a convincing case at the United Nations Security Council? But that's the place where you have to bring your case um, that Afghanistan was responsible. They couldn't. I looked at the Security Council records, and of course, the US ambassador went there and said, We have been attacked by terrorists. So the whole world community condemned this and said, That is absolutely wrong. You know, terrorism is illegal, and you know, were with the United States in condemning this act of terrorism. Then um, they gave the United States the right for self-defense, but they did not say what country, okay? Because then if you, if you want to take self-defense, you have to prove to the world community that the other country that you, you've, you've chosen is responsible. They, right. they could never bring that. And, and they, so they you think
0: them- the UN specifically made sure not to pers- Per, uh, uh, per, uh, you know not to say it, what specific country the the u.s could go after do you think yeah they did because that there was campus? no data
1: yeah because there was no data i mean um that's the other thing i mean when the when the united the US states
0: pays the u.n's bills too i mean
1: let's face that's it that's it but i mean the u.n uh, security council you have france in it you have uh, uh, Great Britain and then you have the U.S. These are three NATO countries. So three out of the five permanent seats in the UN Security Council are NATO seats. And then you have two seats, which are China and Russia, and they don't want NATO in Afghanistan, Okay, they, because Afghanistan is bordering, is too close to Russia and to China. And there's a common border between Afghanistan and China, if you look at the map. So the Chinese surely didn't want NATO there. And uh, the U.S. said, yeah, it's, it's a clear-cut case, but they could never prove it. And to bring bring it back to that question that you asked, how did NATO self-activate itself? They just said, we have the proof, but we can show you the proof. We cannot show it. You know, we have the proof that Osama bin Laden did it. But where's the proof? It was just a story. And uh, people then asked, you know, Osama bin Laden, did you do it? And he said, no, I didn't do it. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. People didn't want to hear this.
0: Well, and actually, um, there were others who offered to to you know bring Osama bin Laden to you know I mean he yeah yeah and and uh the US wasn't interested. So, Not interested so let's let's look at this though in a in a big picture we're here now situation because basically now NATO has just turned into I mean it's still operating its it's, it's, it's still operating in an illegal fashion. And it's doing it on a bigger scale. And, no. it's, do, and it's doing it as a tool of the United States, yeah. basically.
1: Yeah, NATO is the tool of the U.S. to control Western Europe and, um, you know... Get and the rest of the, the world, world basically,
0: now oh, yeah. that they can go anywhere. So if you're an investigator, yeah, if you're a lawyer investigating 9-11... And you're yeah. looking for the culprits then nato nato has uh, the culprits to not only the 9 11 crimes but the follow-on crimes to 9 11 which are these invasions of these countries yeah then nato is also a culprit
1: oh yeah for me o- yeah.
0: of 9 11.
1: Um, you know people don't want to hear it but i say NATO, you know, is not being investigated at all. At all. You know, people just go, NATO, they confuse it with the United Nations because it's just an international organization. Yes, they do. That's the first thing. Then I go like... It's the North Atlantic
0: Treaty
1: treaty organization.
0: Organization.
1: And it's a military organization which calls itself defensive. But it clearly is offensive. It
0: has become... It's activated itself as an offensive tool now, an offensive military organization. It is and it's a threat to world peace. Controlled by the United States.
1: It's very important to, to just remember NATO is the biggest military organization in the world. And it's, it claims to be defensive, but it's not. And that it's an offensive military organization. They also bombed Libya and Serbia. We didn't go into all these details. But I think if if we could do one thing, we could prove in this conversation that that we need a a, a frank discussion about NATO. We what need an doing.
0: investigation of NATO. Yeah, we do. I mean you started it, you started it from back then, but there the the new engagements that NATO has has uh, taken on require more digging and more because if, as you say, building seventy you proves that there's something other than, oh, Osama bin Laden and his people uh, did all these amazing, amazing crimes. uh, They couldn't blow up.
1: You know, they couldn't blow up World Trade Center 7. It's impossible. It's not the Taliban. They couldn't do it.
0: So the question is, because in order to blow up a building, you've got to put in those explosives and so on. Yeah.
1: And And you need insiders. You need you need
0: insiders. You need... So, um, I
1: mean, if, Christina, if I may add, you know, there was the 9-11 commission report that for, written by Keenan Hamilton brought it out. But it was really right. uh, Zelikov who wrote it. He's also yes. a historian like, like me, uh, I'm ashamed to say. But uh, Zelikov really just twisted the narrative totally. And then I looked at this 9-11 commission report, which is some, I think 400 or 600 pages thick. And you put in, if you have it as a PDF, you put in the World, uh, the World Trade Center 7 it is mentioned but the collapse is not mentioned so you know it's just mentioned at the side and the the problem is if you don't in the official narrative of the bush administration you don't even get the number of buildings right and I, I, if that was you know a, a bachelor thesis or of a student 20 year old student or 22 year student i was the history teacher i would go like okay this is your work um Unfortunately, I cannot accept it because it's three buildings that collapsed and you only write about two. So three instead of two, like, you know, this is like a mother who doesn't know whether she has three or two kids. It's like it's it's not a minor thing. So the official report, the 9-11 Commission report has the number of collapsed buildings wrong. (laughs) And so that that leads me to 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 this call for people to think for themselves. And not wait for the CNN or the New York Times to to bring, you know, this to their attention because it's really only through independent media news like yours that, that people start to think about it. They can check for themselves. World Trade Center 7.
0: Now, I just want to ask you one last question. Okay. You're a historian. You have yeah. seen the history of NATO from way back, okay? I mean, yeah. the cold... 49 cold War. it started. <laughs> exactly. And now you see events, you see 9-11, and now we're, you know, a couple decades out of
1: 9-11. Ukraine.
0: Exactly. So what do you think is NATO's, and let's say the United States' agenda, is?
1: It's power. It's always power in history, you know? It's like a chess game. If you can move closer to your enemy, then, you know, you're one step ahead. And they, in 2014, overthrew the government in the Ukraine and said, we're going to draw the Ukraine into NATO. They said that, that's what they wanted to do. And now Putin is just in December yeah, like, 2021. No, yeah. uh, he, he, Putin came forward and he said, uh, uh, no, you're not going to get Ukraine. You know, you're not going to get it. Ukraine will never be a NATO country. And now we're in the year 2022 and we realize that Russia is also a nuclear power. And they say, stop, it's enough. You're not going to have the Ukraine. You're not going to draw the Ukraine into NATO because after the uh, coup d'etat, which to my mind was a a US coup d'etat in Ukraine, the Russians took the Krim. They secured the Krim because they have their ships on Sevastopol. It's a military base, a Russian military base. And Putin has a problem with his ships. You know, they're all stuck in the ice. (laughs) They can go nowhere. So he really needs the Black Sea. And he said, OK, I want to have my ships in Sevastopol. And if you get Ukraine, then I get the Krim. And it happened very, very quickly. And right now, as we speak, the tensions in Ukraine are very high. And uh, it's just it's just very dangerous. I think um, everybody should just calm down and relax and say, OK, Ukraine will not, be, will not be a NATO member. We're not, we're not trying to, to draw it into NATO because the Russians have, have already said they, they won't have it. And, and that would really um, relax the situation. But Biden is not saying it. He could say it. He could say, okay, Ukraine will not be a NATO member. It's too dangerous. we leave it at that. He could say that, but he doesn't.
0: But what, what about the idea of national sovereignty? I mean, what happens to that with with an organization like NATO? They don't respect it. Well, they don't respect it. No. De facto, it doesn't exist. It does Uh, not exist because if some big country decides it wants to overthrow your government or invade you or whatever it doesn't matter how many treaties are there it doesn't matter how many agreements it doesn't nothing matters any this is the world we're in now
1: this is true i mean uh, christina you 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 you're frank and outspoken and, and that you know that's that's a fair analysis that's how it is i mean check how the vietnam war started there was no right to bomb vietnam think if if, if we turn it around and think Ah, in 1964, Vietnam started to bomb the United States. You know, they started with California, worked their, their way through Texas, and then finally uh, reached Florida. People would go, that's wrong, <laughs> because then you realize what's happening. But it was the other way around. The U.S. bombed Vietnam. There was no right. It, it, it went from 64 to 75, 58,000 yeah. American soldiers killed. And then I'm very interested to, to understand what the soldiers thought. And one soldier, he, he later joined the peace movement, and he said, I had no reason to doubt my president's words, and I had no reason to doubt the New York Times and my teacher. So it's basically very few narratives that they follow and if the president says we have to go to this faraway country because communism will otherwise you know conquer the world then they went
0: the other question that that 9 11 raises is the leadership of nato which is the leadership of the american government if they are lying about this they have an interest in lying about it which means that they may have had you know raises my Questions about, well, did they have a, a hand in 9-11? So now what we have, which, which again, 9-11 is an operation, could be a, a secret internationally done operation, too. You know, I mean, that's what people are looking into. And so here is a government that potentially has attacked its own people to pursue agendas overseas that obviously benefit greatly. You know, war is a big moneymaker.
1: It's a moneymaker. And, and people, you know, you know people have a hard time. Where people have a hard going? time to follow my thinking. But then, then I say, look at it from that way. If you're a soldier, a high-ranking soldier, you go to war, you're ready to kill. Now, obviously, you're also ready to lie if it gives you an advantage, right? If you're ready right. to kill, you're ready to lie. And then you will see that wars and lies, they come hand in hand. And once you work from this premise, then you go to, okay, when did the war start in Afghanistan? 7 October 2001. Okay. And then you go, you, you search for the lies. You just search for the lies. You say, this is going to be a lie somewhere here. Where could it be? And then you come to 9-11. And then you go to World Trade Center 7. This is a beautiful planet, okay? We live on planet Earth. And we're just having too many wars. It's just obvious, you know, too many wars. And the victims are those who are being killed, but also the soldiers who come home are traumatized with a lot of suicides among the soldiers. And we owe it to the soldiers. They are in their 20s or in their, you know, they're, they're young guys. They have no clue about international politics. We owe them the truth.
0: We owe everybody the truth. Because without Trended. the truth, these these top people, these people who plan these agendas and carry them out with no care for the average citizen or their lives. And using, by the way, insult to injury because they use the tax dollars of the yep. citizens around the world they do. to effectuate these these uh these wars and these whatever the these these murderous agendas and and this is what bothers me i mean that's why i talk to people like you because you guys bring pieces of the puzzle and so i want to thank you so much for coming on today it's been a thank
1: you for having me
0: fascinating discussion
1: thank you christina you have a great day and thanks for your work for peace it's it's very valuable